0: Well, it's Wake Up With KC, I'm Kimberly, and today I have an interesting topic. Well, I'm fascinated with all human beings. But what about dual gender individuals, cross-dressers, even transgenders? What is it like to be in their shoes? And I have a very special guest that I'm so excited to join us today. Welcome, Savannah Hawk. Hi. Hannah you Hi. look gorgeous as ever. Oh stop.
1: Or go what, on. No, no, keep going. Pictures.
0: I what? love the pictures that you sent me. I can oh, post them.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's all good lighting.
0: <laughs> yeah. That too. <laughs> and good makeup.
1: I do my best. There are some people who are far superior. They have TikToks and YouTube channels. Me, I just do the best I can. Just keep on practicing.
0: I'm amazed by some of the, the makeup techniques. I mean, I go into Ulta Beauty and I see some of them. I'm like, holy shit. How did you freaking make that up? Like, do yourself that way. It looks amazing.
1: Yes, we, live, we are lucky to live in a current society where drag makeup has influenced everyday makeup in such a way that has actually allowed me to be uh, that this is more acceptable. Now you can put like five shades of, you know, uh, of eyeshadow on and, and big wings and in contouring. That's now all part of the culture. So now it's, it's more acceptable to be this kind of high glam look for every day. So you actually blend in more than you would have 20 years ago. So I'm very lucky
0: well please explain to um us today of you know dual gender individuals mm-hmm. okay, you accept that, that's what you accept for yourself but can you enlighten yes. us and inform us ab- more about that
1: well dual gender is how i represent myself and in that in my regard specifically i am uh, assigned male at birth i have a male biology And I have a feminine spirit, feminine quality inside me that needs to be expressed. So in the expression of that, while I am happy to continue to be biologically male, uh, non-transitioning, so I have no interest in transitioning to female and have surgeries or hormones or anything to adjust my my biological sense, um, I do have a physical need And psychological need to express a very feminine side, which is what you see here. So, in that way, while I am biologically male and typically male, six, seven, you know, six days a week, there is one or two days a week that I will express the savannah side. And that is this. So it's it's like just presentation-wise, and it it fulfills my heart, my spirit to be able to do this and live out in the world. Like before this conversation with you, I was at Starbucks. Writing away, just sitting in the coffee shop and just communing with people. So it ended up being a, a great day.
0: Wow. And you know, discovering like a, you know, the gay community and whatnot and the, the struggles and and but the thing about it is is looking back because I'm a researcher and investigator. Mm-hmm. I look back in history, I'm like, why is there so much discrimination, so much hatred. word, when if you look back in history, it's there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: And it's been shamed upon and that affects your mindset. It creates a limited belief. And it's a program that just has been passed on from generation to generation. Do you think that is part of why those that are confused about their identity and whatnot. They have this either male, you know, by biology Mm -hmm. kind of form, but they love that feminine and they're so scared because of fear sets in that they're just, they're unhappy. And that's why there's anxiety, stress, depression. Could that be a a contributor?
1: It's so much. So much. So um, if, if you think about let's go back to 1776, American oh, yeah. history, 1776, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I mean, it's a perfect time because we're here. We are uh, for of July weekend. Right. So think about how men dressed. Men dressed with powdered wigs, satiny, frilly frocks, high heeled boots, you know, If you think back to the beginning of our own country, the way men dressed in order of status and of money and of showing, you know, who I am as a person, the more, you know, kind of in today's age, you would say foo-foo or like, oh, my God, why is that guy dressed all in satin and like frilly? That was a status symbol. So the more kind of this feminine feminization that we believe nowadays, what we look back on, that's how men were dressing. So where did we go between 1776 to the early 20th century where men were relegated to you know suits and you know, overalls and denim and like three piece suits and hats and like just comfortable shoes dress shoes and women were relegated to the you know A line dresses and pearls you know Barbara Billingsley on uh, Leave it to Beaver where they were all at home you know cooking and cleaning in, in their perfect little outfits like very mad men style the culture has kind of like gotten away from or not gotten away from is actually embraced in different eras, what people should dress as. So for myself, yes, to your original question, I grew up with this idea that I needed to hide who I was because of the fact that I knew that the socially accepted way of dressing for men and boys was very specific. And to deviate from that norm in my growing up in the 70s and 80s, it would be unheard of for a man to dress in a skirt or dress in something satiny and soft and frilly. That would be a huge blemish on societal acceptance. So I knew that growing up, which then led to, like you said, somewhat depression, a lot of fear about going out because I knew it wasn't accepted by the culture, by religion, by society. And I've spent 50 years, I won't tell you that for real, but I've spent my life getting over that limitation and getting over that idea that, nope, you are this way, you were born this way, therefore, you only can select from column A. But yet, in the same breath, women have been allowed, well, one, they fought very hard to not have to wear dresses and could dress more in men centered clothing. So now you go out anywhere, women in jeans, women in denim, women in flannel, women in comfortable shoes. The idea of like women can allow to dress more masculine, even if it is a feminine brand label, they have the ability to dress more like men versus if a man were to do that and dress more like a woman. That's still like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. So. Uh, yeah, a lot of things go on. I mean, what I dealt with was just overcoming the indoctrination of how I was expected to dress. And that has led to years and years and years of self-discovery, self-assessment, overcoming my own fears of, like, presenting this way today in public in the South. I'm in South Carolina. Where oh, yeah. You, you know. <laughs> so this, for me, is constantly overcoming my fear and realizing that when I am out in public, um, I am accepted or at the very least ignored and not noticed. And that just also is proof of like that it's you can do it. You can dress the way you want to dress. I think that the next stage beyond me are those people who like I want to dress like this, but have a full beard like that's still going to be even more stigmatized than what I do. Because I'm very binary in my presentation. I'm either male or female. There's no like eyeliner and beard. There's no, you know, skirt in a button down shirt, you know, male centric. It's like, that's not going to be me. It's going to be very much one or the other. So while I'm adhering to the societal norms of how a woman should dress, we need to get past that and say, why do you care what people wear at all? Why is that the problem? So.
0: Well, and I'm glad you touched base on that because even like in the biblical times, you know, if you read that Bible, like when I read that Bible, I actually like imagined and visualized what it was like back then, and women did not have a voice. Mm-hmm. Women had to stay covered and they go, well, the, this is how the Lord, this is how the, you know, no, this was a letter written by somebody else's opinion on how women should be
1: dressed,
0: how they should act, shut up, keep your mouth shut and the men talk. So I find that discouraging. And then when they talk about uh, the sex, there's a lot of guilt and shame. And it's like a bad thing. How are you supposed to express yourself in any aspect? Even your sexuality of what you want to be, how you want to dress. I think it stems from the religion Aspect of that's where it all started and began, and then look at you know you jump forward 1776, and I'm glad you touched base because I'm looking going yeah I remember (laughs) them they did dress like that yes why you know and you did you explained it It as a like a status thing and I think that's been you know cultures create the society
1: yeah and any
0: different environment so. Like between Europe and the US because the Europe's came to America and then they just instilled their stuff onto us or our ancestors, not really us, but you get the gist. And then it just evolved from there. But there's other countries that you walk around, you know, topless.
1: Mm -hmm. Men
0: wear jewelry. Men wear, you know, it's a tribal thing.
1: Yes. And you bring up a very good point of culturally, even today, around the globe, cultures are different. There are some who embrace, especially in like the uh, Polynesian and Taiwanese um, cultures, they have a third gender. They celebrate people who are assigned male birth but dress feminine or uh, denote themselves as women they're revered even the american indians the native american indians were celebrated a two spirit individual who was a uh, male who dressed as a female or who recognized themselves as a female and they were considered shamans you know they're considered they were revered by their tribes for who they were now european americans come over during colonization and we were a lot of, again I remember a lot of us were brought over not us but a lot of the early americans were persecuted for their beliefs therefore they escaped to of the americas and they brought with them a very specific religious mindset and even that became very conservative um and that again that affected how we trust look at middle eastern cultures where women are in burkas and all you see is the eyes look at the Um, the more Orthodox Jewish faith where once you're married, you have to keep covered up as a woman. Um, Again, there's so many things affected by religion and religious beliefs and cultural beliefs that kind of systemically create this mythos of how we should be as a people. And I think if we, like you said, if we research and see more about the global cultural kind of like epitaph of what we are doing and historically you will see that there's so many different cultures beyond just Western culture and even Western culture is such a subdivision of different cultures. And like you said, tribalism of like, you know, women wear, uh, you know, the rings are on their necks to show status. And if they to mm-hmm. ever take those gold rings off their necks wouldn't be able to support themselves because the musculature has been supported by, um, that jewelry in and of itself where they have the the ears where they extend the earlobes some things in, in our culture We see it, you know We see p- people wearing gauged earrings to extend the earlobe and you know, that's not going to close so it's Kind of permeating through different cultures But yet if you see it on the street and you're not used to it It was seem very foreign to you and it would seem like oh, that's kind of disgusting. Why would somebody do that? Why would they mutilate their own bodies In that way, why do we people put tattoos on? You know, some people, you know, think about it 50 years ago, if you had a tattoo, you were like a gangster or a you know convict or you know, you know, a drifter. But now you have people walking around who celebrate tattoos and celebrate the beauty of artistry on their bodies. So, you know, we are evolving, but yet in some ways we are very stuck in a very specific mindset. So my job, even for myself. Uh, because it's for me too, you know, it's for my fulfillment to be Savannah, but it's also my job as a cross-dressing male. Again, cross-dressing is how I present, is how I get to what I look like, but dual gender is my identity and my presentation. So cross-dressing is not a gender, it's just a art form to get to that expression. So my job as a dual gender individual is to go out into the world on behalf of other closeted, dual gender, gender queer, gender fluid individuals who feel like they can't do it, is to show that like, yeah, I can do it. Let me take a picture of me outside and take a picture of me in Starbucks. Post it on my social media so people can see that it can it can be who you are and that you it can be okay.
0: Wow. I, I'm just like in awe, and <laughs> I hope that there's any cross genders, um, transgenders, dual genders. They're they're watching, especially the young, you know, teenagers that are confused, and what I hope this this episode actually this show inspires them. That's what my so. podcast is all about, and I would love to have more of you dual gender, transgenders, cross dressers, whatever on my show. Cause I'm supporting you. I I I believe we're all divine beings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we're all an essence of a greater intelligent, you want to call it God, whatever, that's expressing and experiencing life through us individually, but we're all connected.
1: Well and we I, yeah, I mean, but we're I mean we were built as human beings to be communal. Like we, the majority of us, some people love solitude, but the majority of us crave socialization. We crave acceptance, we crave validation. Um, you know, Maslow's, Maslow's Pyramid says, as soon as you have a roof over your head and food in your belly and a purpose, you have community. And you have people that you surround yourself with that who you love. And that idea is what allows you to become self-actualized. And become your best self, that better self beyond just those things that help you survive, but things that help you to thrive and become a greater part of yourself, the community, culture, whatever that is. And it's all about us striving to elevate ourselves to that, to that extent and to that level. And I try as I might. That's what I need to do. I need to do that for myself and for others so that, like you said, the people who are coming up, and even I know so many people who are 50, 60 years old who have been in a closet physically and metaphorically for 30, 40 years of their life and still to this day in 2021 say to me, oh, I didn't know this could happen this way. I didn't know that we could be out in public. I didn't know that you could be accepted for who you are. I didn't know who this is, who I was. I mean, these are still permeating through all our lives on a daily basis, even today in the information age. And that while sad, I'm just glad that I could be on your show and you could allow me a platform to speak. And the fact that we can commune and we can get together and one person if one person sees this show and they realize like wow i could be like that Mm -hmm. that's that's all that matters
0: and you know when did you discover like i want i love this dressing up as a woman i love put makeup on when did you discover that for yourself like this it's like something that just light bulb aha kind of moment. (laughs) When did that happen for you?
1: Uh, There are several, you know, in my timeline, there'd be several watershed moments of like what you're asking. The first is about the age between five and seven of recognizing I had an attraction to it and kind of embracing that in a way, but yet still knowing that I was not going to be accepted if I did it because I understood the society and the family dynamics I lived in. Um, but I did do it in secret and, you know, for many years till from like, let's say age six to 25 was all very closeted, all very like do it when I could, when nobody's around. Um, but when I moved to New York city from Detroit, um, it was very liberal. It was very diverse. I saw drag queens for the first time. So at the age of 25, 26 was when I decided that. I wanted to have a full head to toe presentation for who I was. And I didn't have a name. I mean, Savannah Savannah did not exist until the mid nineties in New York. So that, from that moment forward, Savannah was always a part of me. And it was just about recrafting and evolving my skills. Ah uh, the roller coaster up and down of being in different relationships where who I was was accepted or not accepted, and how I modified my behavior to fit their happiness. Um, ironically, even after I wrote the books, even after <laughs> even moving down here to South Carolina, being in here, South Carolina was when I recognized I needed to elevate, my visibility and my advocacy for the community, because in New York, you have an advocate every place you throw a rock. Mm -hmm. Here, it seemed like for people like me, it was less evident, it was more hidden. And I recognized that there was something that I needed to do to step up and be just bigger and be the advocate and be a speaker and and start a podcast on my own with a co-host and do things that would help the community, just like what you're doing.
0: Well, I, I'm just amazed. And I am truly proud of you. Of Thank you. How far you've come. And you're finally like, voila, I'm here. <laughs> Shut up. Kind of. And good for you. Good Thank you. for you. Because I feel everyone has the right and deserves to be happy. Do Mm -hmm. what gives them joy. You're not doing any harm to anybody. You're just being the best version of you. And I don't have anything wrong with that.
1: You speak truth. You speak the truth. I say that to people, and it's a very specific note to add. If you are trying to be your authentic self and you're not causing yourself harm, you're not putting other in harm's way, then what should stop you from being your best version of yourself? Absolutely, I agree with that. But there are some things that are more fascistic, more obsessive, more uh, those things that are more clinical in nature that do require, you know, uh, observation or require you to have a therapist. Those things that are like self-destructive in nature, We need that support system to say, how do I get to that best self that is not self-destructive? And mm-hmm. that is a very, very important point. I mean, I don't want to just say, just be who you are. And people are just willy nilly doing whatever and not having that conscious assessment of who they are, what that looks like for them. So mm-hmm. there are some people, even in the best, best mental health that do need therapy. There are couples who need therapy there. Are, you know, whereas you want to be your best self. I want to be dual gender and I want to express myself in this feminine way. Well, that affects partners. It affect uh, you know it affects our colleagues, our friends, our neighbors, our you know significant others. These are things that while we need to be like, no, this is my best self. We also need to take into account the people we live with because they need to be on that journey with us as well.
0: Right, like not be in the closet or you know in a marriage for twenty years and then one day you go to your partner and say, hey, I'm. Kind of thing
1: which happens all the time,
0: it, it, unfortunately, yes, and it's yeah. sad because then it's like there's a trauma mm-hmm. that was created out, out of it, yeah, and it is it's so it could be unavoidable when you're honest with yourself first mm-hmm. before you get into the relationship.
1: But so many of those people aren't even aware of what they're unaware of. These are the unknown unknowns. They've been they've mm-hmm. been taught based on what you've discussed earlier by society, based on religion, based on their upbringing, based on culture, to deny, deny, deny any sort of femininity because to be a man is to be these specific things, right? Mm-hmm. So I know somebody who just came out at like age 52, had always had depression, didn't understand where the depression stemmed from, but yet denied the fact that that they had any interest in this femininity that was deep inside them. And it took them to after age 50 to recognize it, evolve from it, bring their wife into it as a partnership and like, where do we go from here? And these things are so prevalent and so common because the kids growing up today, the millennials, the Gen Z's, they recognize these alternate, not alternative, they recognize diversity and gender, diversity and sexuality, because they've grown up with it. Whereas everybody, baby boomers and Gen Xers and pre-millennials are still adhering to all these notions, antiquated notions of diversity and sexuality and gender, because that's how we were brought up. So we're constantly fighting against that tide.
0: Well, (laughs) and you know what, Uh, Savannah, I'm going to share something with you, and this is the first time I'm actually speaking up and coming out, (gasps) is with my sexuality. I am bi. I love women, but I love being in a relationship with a man.
1: Mm, Okay
0: and i came uh into meeting somebody a man and we started dating and i now it's a little embarrassing because i didn't catch the concept uh he shared with me that he enjoyed swinging Hmm. so i'm thinking oh let me go get my dance shoes we could go learn how to swing And I'm like, wow, I got to get some shoes. I got, and I think he sort of caught on that I wasn't connecting the dots on that one. So he goes, no, he goes, it's a sexual lifestyle. And I went, oh, you mean orgies? I'm like, that's been going around since, you know, Julius Caesar's time and whatnot. Okay. You know, it got me curious of what Mm -hmm. it was like.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And let me tell you something i had no idea i was like wow this shit really happens this is like a night call this is like awesome i'm like i didn't know there was like this many people that enjoyed this lifestyle so i actually talked to a few they've been married for 20 25 30 35 40 years best thing they've done for their marriage and i was like wow this is interesting (laughs) and i'm like I could get used to this. I really enjoy the, di- the diversity of being with you know, human beings. And if you have that kind of click or something just clicks and you're good, that's the biggest, greatest gift of being a sexual being. And yes. it's similar from religion that makes it so bad. I think that's why people. Are suffering the way they are. They can't be their true authentic selves. There, there's confusion about their sexual, uh, sexuality, what mm-hmm. they really enjoy. But it, that's the journey of life is discovering it. As long as you're not hurting somebody, are you know using uh, what's the word I want to say like manipulating, controlling. I think that has a big play in how things you know, have gone in the past but now it's it's invigorating it's liberating and i i love it so there it, it came
1: it, out it, it, i'll give you a slow clap how about that <laughs> um it's amazing i mean you bring up so many points about sexuality just in that storytelling you're talking about being bi curious or bisexual you're talking about I love I'm sexually attracted to women but I prefer being in a male female relationship. So that's the difference between sexual and romantic attraction. You talk about polyamorous, you're talking about having multiple partners. We could have a whole conversation about the subculture of swinging. And how there are people who like to watch their own partner be with somebody else, or there are certain people who are like objectified and that's like a status there. are So many things I can't even speak on cause I'm, I'm not versed on it, but I know that the culture itself is so rich and diverse and has its own life to it. And that goes and holds true to every type of sexuality. Um, you know, there's still some people who feel, Ashamed about being bisexual because others may have said to them, Can't you just pick one? I was like, Wait, so you're not a lesbian and you're not gay. So can't you just pick a side? It's like, Why? You know, they like sometimes some people who don't understand somebody else's journey will judge somebody else's journey. Mm -hmm. And I find that the same happens to cross dressers, which is why I'm trying to break that mythology of the word, which is why I said earlier that. Cross-dressing is an art form, it is not a gender. So if you take away the the stigma of the word cross-dresser and say, well, no, that's just an act. That's just a thing I do in order to look this good. Um, So, and that's the important point. It's been, you know, 50, 60 years that transvestite became cross-dresser and while transvestite was very clinical in what it meant. It lost, it kind of like became the softer cross-dressing word, but that in and of itself also lost its meaning while taking on a lot of stigma. So if we talk about gender, we need to talk about gender specifically, whether you're gender queer, gender fluid, dual gender, bigender, gender, all these things have very specific nuances to it that make it who you are in your gender. And that goes for both identity and presentation. Whereas cross-dressing, you know, if you think about it, a drag queen is a man who dresses as a woman. So you know, in actuality of the definition of the word, they are cross-dressing. But that doesn't make them cross-dressers. They're still determined and defined as a drag queen. So that's where I'm coming in now and as I um, work forward on my third book for the Living With Cross-dresser, Cross-Dressing series, is going to really kind of get under the hood of that term and let people know that like when somebody says, Oh, you're a crossdresser. Oh, does that mean this and this and this? No, because you're misunderstanding the word itself. And and actually we are misunderstanding who we are because we adhere to that label so tightly because we don't recognize our gender diversity. We don't recognize our sexual diversity. So again, all mutually exclusive, all nuanced, um, I love your coming out. Thank you so much for doing it with me.
0: Oh, thank you. It was an honor <laughs> because I can be open and I just felt like, you know what? Why not? Why you know, not? I, I, I'm not ashamed of it. I actually enjoy it. It's a lifestyle that I woke up to. And I, it was like, surprisingly, just pretty much amazing. That's great. It doesn't Matter. Um, you know, I, it, you could be male or female. You could be, like what you say, cross-dresser. Or you can be a transgender. It doesn't matter to me, I guess, on that, how we describe who you are. To me, you're mm-hmm. just a spiritual being, sexual being inside a beautiful human being. And I just rather connect. And to me, what sex really is, and there's a misconception about that, And I look forward to having these experts on my show so we could talk about it. But I got an understanding and realization. You know what sex is, synergistic energy exchange
1: Mm.
0: between two human beings.
1: I love it, I love it.
0: You can experience euphoric orgasmic ecstasy when you can look at it and feel it in a different concept. It's the most beautiful, amazing experience. Once you experience it. Kudos. So I am just, now you have three award-winning books.
1: I have two at the moment, two at the moment. Yeah. um, Living with cross-dressing is the name of the series. And the first book subtitled is um, defining a new normal which is kind of a cross-dressing 101. Uh, It also has my story in it. It talks about the types of cross-dressers. It has several stories of couples who, like we talked about before, somebody came out after 40 years of marriage or somebody who they only knew the cross-dresser in female form uh, before they started dating. So uh, a lot of stories that were put that we interviewed. Um, The second book is really should have been the first book, because the second book is purely about your self-improvement, your self-discovery, you as the dual gender individual. What does it mean to you? How do you cope with it? How do you develop it? So that's more of like the kind of like your Bible to, to take and say, what, do, what is this? What is it to me? And what road am I on? Am I in the right road? And I recognize that I went off the path and don't realize it. It's those things like I brought up Maslow's Law. That's in the book where it talks about, you know, we all love shelter. We all love community. We all love food in our bellies, but we all love validation. And there are so many of us right now who have to take this journey on our own because we're not out to our family. We're not out to our parents. We're not out to anybody. So we are on this lonely, lonely journey. And how do you find validation when you're on your own in this vacuum? So when it comes to self-actualization, you need validation of some sort. And it's very, very difficult to do that on your own without external, even though you shouldn't like rely on something to say, oh, you're awesome. Keep being you. That really is in your heart to like find but we don't cope as well when we don't have that community around us.
0: Wow. Well, I, I would love to help with that. And thanks for being the first dual gender individual to be on wake up with KC. Yes. And, um, I could post the links on how to get your books in the yes. description. Okay. Well, so look forward to that, everybody. And I, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. You've enlightened me. Oh,
1: well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Um, like I said, I've listened to your podcast and I, it's a thrill and an honor for me to be here with you.
0: Well, thank you for joining us, Savannah.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Well, that was a an impressive, enlightenful and uh, coming out of the closet kind of interview. was not expecting that, but I just felt led to do it. And you know what? I feel pretty amazing right now. So enjoy the rest of your week. Look forward to a next guest coming on here at Wake Up With KC. Stay tuned. Do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility even for our ancestors that do not know it any better? And waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation.